Hello, hello, and welcome to the Awesome in Seattle podcast. I am Christian Awesome here with the Awesome and Awesome group, and uh, with me to my right is the wonderful Charlotte Reynolds. Oh, Sarah K. Davis. Jason, as always. Jason, as always. Just like last week. Good job, Jason. <laughs> so this week, we're doing a year-end review of what's going on in the market, uh, in the Seattle real estate market, but also nationally. So first off, we're going we're gonna to compare and contrast last year to this year. Then we're going to give some kind of highlight of predictions for next year as well. Yeah, it's our last episode of the year. 13, what, 14 episodes now? This is exciting. So it'll be interesting to see in the year looking back on this episode how things compare. Yeah, and at the end, stay tuned because we're each going to give our personal opinion and prediction on the Seattle area market and what it's going to do. So hold us accountable to that. Yeah, and we have a $5 bet. Exactly. It's very risky. Money on the line. (laughs) All right, so let's get started. So year in review. Looking at the national market, so I'm going to start nationally, then I'm going to go Seattle. So nationally, home prices increased 4.7% to a whopping $231,000. Very is... representative of Seattle market. <laughs> or yeah. not. Jason, don't the tell lies. The opposite. Uh, one interesting stat that we found was only 80% of the U.S. housing has recovered from the housing crash, the bubble bursting back in 07, 08. In other words, 80% of the markets have not recovered their prices to the peak that they were at before they crashed, right? Because they peaked right before it crashed. Exactly. On top of that, only or there there are still 8% of homes that are underwater, meaning they owe more on their home than what the house is actually worth, which that, is a little sad. That's crazy, though. yeah. I mean, I that's not at all what's going on in Seattle. In fact, our prices in Seattle have increased 43% over the peak back in 2007-2008. So we're up 43%. That is shocking. Yeah. Uh, Funny thing, though, we're not one of the top cities for recovery. So the reason why is because we didn't really take a huge dip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we don't have much to recover from. No. Yeah. Uh, overall, our prices for the year were actually down 3% from 2018, and that's median sale price. And that was kind of interesting, but not super shocking. Part of the reason I think that's going on there, or part of what I think is going on there, is home prices just weren't increasing You know, $100,000 over the asking price in three days or seven days like they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't think home prices increased as much due to that, because some people were overpaying for houses. Um, the time that a house is staying on the market has actually almost doubled from eight days to 14 days. That's actually not a hundred percent accurate. We think, and what I mean by that is the eight days from a year ago was probably, it should have, and could have been closer to one, two or three days on the market, but we were as agents and as home sellers, we were waiting a week to review offers. So we would put the house on the market on Wednesday on Tuesday of the following week or Wednesday of the following week, we would review offers. So we were artificially inflating the number of days on market. That's clearly not happening anymore because now we're up to 14 days on the market. And that's that's a good sign for buyers because you can now negotiate. When a house has been on for 14 days or more, you have a better chance of negotiating. Yeah, that review period was pretty rough for people out there Yes. Trying to compete against, you know, what, 15 other offers on the same place? Exactly. Exactly. 
And we'll see what happens this next year because there might potentially be some people that are waiting to see what happens with the election. Yeah, generally speaking, it looks like uh, during election years, it's not that uh, elections slow down home sales. What really happens is it it puts a pause on them because people are like, I want to wait to figure out what's going to happen. I don't want to buy or sell right now because a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty with an election. So it just pushes back basically the, uh, those purchases and those sales a year or two after the election. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yes, we have some hot, hot neighborhoods of 2019. (laughs) I don't know why that deserves a whoop, but it did. Uh, It's exciting. It can be exciting. Uh, So I know Tacoma is not Seattle, but it was named the hottest housing market in the nation in 2019. And I think that is partly due to what some call the Amazon effect. And people are just getting priced out of Seattle and looking for another lovely neighborhood on the water to live in and its homes are really affordable there i want to say the average in 2018 was two hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a single family home so in tacoma in tacoma yeah Hmm. so interesting yeah i think what uh at least just anecdotally it looks like so much focus was on north seattle for the last like 10 years and Mm -hmm. now north seattle or north of seattle like no snohomish county it's it's pretty expensive and yeah. so now the growth you know is finally going the south. growth is going south not only that light rail i think uh is also opening the door for a lot of people they're like okay the commute is not what it used to exactly. be or it won't be for much longer so and not just light rail but the sounder train the actual yes. train train mm-hmm. uh, that is a packed train every day from tacoma to seattle um i've heard that they had to increase capacity on those trains because so many people have moved down there that work in seattle still so yeah interesting very yeah and i can speak personally to the tacoma market because i had buyers down there Mm -hmm. um in like sort of the third quarter of the year and it was like everything that was coming on had multiple offers and it was so competitive and they had another place to sell so it didn't really help their case you know having to put a contingent offer in but you made it, was, it work. It, we did it. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, with the help of Christian. Yeah. <laughs> it was listing their condo. But um, yeah, it was tough and it was it was pretty frustrating for them. But mm-hmm. there's a few other notable neighborhoods, I would say more Seattle proper, such as White Center. Um, I think a lot of the North Seattle and Seattle proper businesses were opening up extensions and second locations there. Like restaurants and bars. Restaurants, and bars, like yeah, tattoo shops, hair shops, all those kinds of things that mm-hmm. people were already familiar with and uh, super affordable and an easy commute to uh, downtown where a lot of our tech employees work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shoreline as well. I feel like people just, you know, from that North Seattle, little Ballard, Green Lake, which is always pretty steadily popular. Um, people are moving a little further north where they could still stay kind of comfortable and familiar in North Seattle, but um, find something that's a little more affordable for them and their family. And it, most of the neighborhoods have a real like neighborhood feel. So yeah. I think people like that for their We just looked at a house in families. Shoreline today. We did. I want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ballard, always super hot. Yeah. Everyone loves Ballard all the time. And then I would say West Seattle as well is uh, close to White Center and has that same uh, commute time, lots of bars, restaurants, walkable, and then of course the beautiful beaches. Yeah, exactly. So those were those were some hot neighborhoods in Seattle. Charlotte, looking back at mortgage interest rates, what were they doing? What happened there? So there's a couple interesting things that happened with rates this year. Um, 
Where we are now, first of all, is much lower than what they predicted. I remember at the that. Beginning of yeah. the year. Beginning yeah. of the year, they were saying, I don't even remember what they were saying, but it was much higher. Yeah, definitely higher. So the year started at just over 4.5%, and right now we're sitting around 3.75. And we're towards the end of 2019 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting that the predictions were obviously quite far off and were much lower, which is. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good thing. Really good for buyers. It'll help increase your purchasing power there. Um, the other interesting thing that happened was the federal rate drops this year. So there were three federal interest rate drops in July, September, and October. Um, and what that means is that they drop federal interest rates to essentially keep the economy strong and um, enabling people to spend more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a direct impact on mortgage rates. It's no. an indirect, but it did impact interest rates for, for buying a house. Yeah. yeah, it basically makes cash cheap. Yep, right. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. So one kind of thing we have to say about this is having a real estate-friendly president. So he's mm-hmm. definitely more in favor of kind of any of the positive real estate policies that's going to help enable that. Um, so... That's kind of the big two things with rates. The other interesting that happened was the new loan limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was increased from seven twenty six, seven hundred twenty six thousand dollars, and like one hundred twenty five bucks or something like that. It, yeah, and now it's um, just under seven hundred and forty two. So that's, that's taken into effect uh, January first. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was announced just at the end of November, just like right before Thanksgiving. And why that's important for buyers is that's another way to increase your purchasing power. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now you can do a five percent loan on top of that high loan limit of seven forty two. Five percent on top of that, and now you can almost buy. I mean, with five percent down, an eight hundred thousand dollar house. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, let's look at what's going to happen next year. I'll kind of give you a quick recap of what all the major real estate sources, portals, all that stuff are are predicting. Um, I always like to get a sense for what they're saying nationally and locally. And, and this is kind of a recap of what they're all doing. So uh, nationally, prices are predicted to go up 3.6% in 2020 and 3.5% in 2021. And this is according to Realtor.com. Uh, real estate, this is from uh, Lawrence Young, who's the National Association of Realtor, um, their main financial guy. I don't remember his official title i probably should but i don't remember his official title uh but he says that real estate is on firm ground with little chance of a shakeup. more housing is needed though the lack of supply is the biggest issue that we are going to face in 2020 and 2021 and this is also what i've heard from numerous sources basically all the big sources out there for real estate are predicting that you know as a nation not just seattle which we've already had that shortage of homes for sale but the national market is also going to have a shortage of homes for sale. Um, One of the big things that we all heard at the beginning and to about halfway through the year was recession, recession, recession. It's gonna happen any day now. It didn't happen. And in fact, Zillow reported up until the halfway point of the year, yes, we're definitely gonna have one. Then they changed their, their tune in the third quarter of 2018 and the fourth quarter as well saying now that the chance of having a recession is much less than what they were thinking. Um, So now they're not quite sure if there is going to be one. Interesting side note. I'm sure there will be at some point, but again, we did a podcast on if that actually affects housing prices. 
it didn't really other yeah. than two instances one of which being the housing bubble but that was caused by housing so yeah and i know in seattle the prediction is for us to increase our population in the seattle metro area by one million people by the year 2035 so Ooh. um that's about a quarter increase from i think we're at like one uh, 4.2 million at the moment in seattle metro but but yeah that that should really sustain a lot of this growth in terms mm-hmm. of construction and, and, and that sort of thing. Hopefully, hopefully will. So moving on to Seattle specifically, uh, numerous sources were saying anywhere between 5 and 6% price increase um, for Seattle. That's kind of what they're all predicting. Um, and again, same thing, no inventory. There's going to be very, very little inventory out there. So we're going to see multiple offers again, most likely at some point in 2020. Home builder confidence. This is an interesting one. So because of this lack of inventory, there is not much supply. There's not much supply of land. Home builders like that. That means that they, what the land that they already have, they're going to be able to build on. And they are very happy that they're going to be able to increase prices, increase profits, and and sell those homes very quickly. Um, Interesting side note, somewhat of a side note, millennial buyers. So the average age of the first time or the median age of, of a first time buyer is between 22 and 23 years old. Uh, the 32, 30, 32 and 33. 32, 33. I was trying like, whoa, to turn the page. Whoa, that's very young. <laughs> trying to turn the, I bought my first house when I was 22, but that was a different story. Um, so yeah, 32 to 33. And because of that, if you look at how many people are that age currently and where they're like, if you look at the 26, 27 year old age group, there's a there's 4.8 million 26, 27 year olds. There's 4.3 million 32 year olds. So there's a big group of home buyers in between 27, 26, and 32 that are going to be buying in the next five years. Um, because of that, we're seeing a potential housing bull rush of of buyers, really first time buyers. Uh, and a lot of people I know scoff at that and go, millennials can't buy a house. They don't make any money. They're all in the service industry. And that's not true, especially in Seattle. Maybe well, in other Seattle. parts of the country, but not here. So interestingly, we're seeing in Seattle, because I was like, oh, interesting. If there's a ton of millennials that are supposed to buy, what is our millennial population like? We have about 25% of our population in Seattle are millennials, which kind of blew my mind. That's a fourth of our population are millennials. That's a ton of buyers. That means our market in Seattle might increase quite a bit over the next five years. So just throwing that out there. Another thing that is hurting the inventory is that people are staying in their homes longer than they were. So back in 2010, people on average were staying in their homes around eight years. That's increased to 13 years now. So they're just aging in place. They're much less likely to sell and move and I think we talked about this yesterday. We think that that's probably because, I mean, that's great that they can sell their house for so much, but what the hell are they going to buy? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? They can't afford in their own neighborhood anymore. So I think that's kind of part of what's going on. Yeah, and that metric in 2010 obviously was impacted by the housing uh, bubble that we saw where people definitely were not staying in their houses very long. So keep that in mind. But there is a generational shift. A lot of people are reporting that, the, we are slowly but surely increasing the amount of time that 
that we're staying in our houses, which is awesome because we're making them work. And in Seattle, there's a lot of legislation and regulation that is really out there to encourage people to stay in their property and make it work for them by renovating or increasing square footage, building an ADU. Yeah. We've had multiple podcasts about those, so yes. feel free to listen. But yeah. I think some of the hot neighborhoods for next year that uh, we may see some multiple offer scenarios in are South Park. We've talked amongst the group that we're seeing more clients venture out to the east side, especially mm -hmm. with the pending light rail station opening up in Bellevue. And with the expansion of Amazon and all that. Correct, yeah, Amundo. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. Yes, sir. And there's also people that are switching, you know, the people that are leaving Seattle going to the east side. Um, there's equal amount of people leaving the east side and going to Seattle because of Expedia. Very true. We're just kind so, of swapping. We're just swapping. Yeah. West side, east side. Uh, South Park is another one of those neighborhoods. I feel like it's really growing slowly over the last few years. You're seeing more restaurants, bars, new mm -hmm. builds. And um, obviously, if you are someone that works downtown, that is a very easy commute for you. Uh, Loyal Heights and Ballard. Uh, Matthews Beach, Cedar Park area. The mm -hmm. Burt Gilman, I think, is really attractive oh, yeah. to people. Yep. There's um, a ton of people that use that every morning as a way to commute to work. Yes. Yes, very true. So I think that that's, that's a nice up-and-comer. Um, and then Highland Park is, I think, still on the up-and-up. Mm -hmm. That's in West Seattle as well. Yeah, that is, yep, West Seattle. Uh, so I think, again, these neighborhoods are going to be hot next year. We are seeing some neighborhood trends. Charlotte, are you also noticing this? Yeah, I mean, we talked about some of these neighborhoods yesterday, so I just looked out of curiosity and found that a lot of houses in these neighborhoods are not sitting very long and selling for over the asking price. So we're kind of already starting to see that. Like there was a house in Highland Park that sold on the market for one day for 25 over asking wow. price. Yeah. yeah. I just drove through there. We did our little Santa Christmas ornament drop-offs for mm -hmm. clients. And I hadn't been there in a couple months and I was driving around and it really is on the come up. And it's yeah. really cute, really neighborhood, really close to 99 and I-5. So Yep. I mean, I would buy a house in that neighborhood. I like it. Yeah. It's really cute. I don't know if y'all heard, but we voted recently, and there's there was a, quite a surprise vote on um, repealing some levies placed on car tabs. And uh, basically, it, it's going to make some potentially some significant impact to light rail and sound transit and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see. Over the last year, our head has really been around light rail, the impact that's having in various neighborhoods like Northgate and uh, Mount Lake Terrace. But but now that the car tabs might be repealed, the impact on sound transit, we don't know what that'll be yet. Mm -hmm. So over the next year, um, who well, knows? There's, there's already lawsuits filed. Sound Transit's already issued statements saying that the wording isn't actually affecting Sound Transit, so they're proceeding as normal. There's a lot of things going on, so we will see. It's going to be a legal battle, if nothing else, to see if and when anything actually changes. That being said, uh, what, in a year now, they're going to open, I think it's in like in a, almost a yeah. year, they're going to open... Yeah. Uh, the uh, the stations in Northgate, Roosevelt, Roosevelt and, and all the way over to like to Bellevue and that sort of thing, and and U District, and U District, and we've been talking for a while about you know if you're within like a quarter mile of these light rail stations, you see a dramatic in, uh, increase appreciation in your property values because 
people want to live close to light rail stations. I have a feeling, you know, now that they're going to be adjusting the bus routes, so you take a bus to the light rail station, you cut over basically to the light rail station, and then you grab a light rail train to go to work. I think that's the, you know, the impact of light rail now is going to start spreading now yep. that it's opening up yeah, and widening. I agree. So. Yeah, the, the way that Sound Transit has set up these stations, the light rail stations, is that's the hub, and all the spokes are the bus and um, basically bike lanes. Right. So they want people to not drive to the light rail and park. They want them to take public transit or walk or ride their bike and, and get into the light rail station from all these different areas. Have you guys heard, sorry, this is slightly off topic, but in large cities like New York, they're now imposing a tax if you drive in the city. Same with London. So, yeah. Yep, London as well. So I'm wondering if that's going to trickle down to Seattle now that our, um, you know, public transit system is expanding. is expanding. Yeah, yeah. We have a to long really way to discourage go people they can from start driving. Taxing people to <laughs> drive in city. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a step forward. That's a, like 2023 20, prediction. To, to yeah. The, All right, let's go over some predictions that we each think for the Seattle area market. So, Charlotte, I'm starting with you. What do you think? What are you predicting the Seattle market? Seattle, not metro, but actual city of Seattle prices are going to go up in 2020. My or prediction. Down. Or down. <laughs> or sideways. Sorry. My I prediction assume. is an increase of 4%. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. Sarah Kate? Mine's a little lower. I'm going 2% increase. Mm. Okay. Jason? <laughs> now I sound like I'm just copycatting which i'll do it i'm copying charlotte four percent <laughs> really yeah oh i think five to seven yeah okay mister I'm, I'm gonna give a range to <laughs> cma <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's what i do yeah i've actually when we had the seattle real estate radio show actual radio show we did uh one of these every single year and it was always fun to look back so yeah now that we got the podcast it's the same i'm excited to look back in a year and yeah. see what we all think this will be fun who gets 20 bucks? Who's going to win 20 It's bucks? 20 now? I thought it was five. Yeah, it's five, well, five, five, each. five each. Oh, duh. <laughs> technically, you win 15. Yeah, technically. You win but we bucks. deposit in, it, it into an interest-bearing account starting <laughs> yeah. today, so it's going to be more than 20. No, oh, my God. Thanks, Jason. With CIT Bank at 2.38%. <laughs> Woo! All right, so that is our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you got something out of this show, please like us, leave a comment uh, on your favorite podcast, and follow us, share it, tell your friends. Um, and happy holidays, of course. Happy holidays, everyone. Whoop, whoop.